when it's a clear glass, like I can look right through the glass yeah. at your gullet going, oh, 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 right, because I can see oh, into your well, mouth. Well, I guess if you drink like this, John. <laughs> I'll hide behind my microphone. Let's start a show. Hey, welcome back. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Welcome back to another episode of 1980s. Now a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture and its influence today. We're already starting with the hand gestures and all this bullshit. Will, Will, unless you see this. How about you don't give secret hand gestures to anybody? They're not secrets. Well, yes. How about you make them secret? (laughs) Type in the thing or whatever. (sighs) I'll get really distracted then and I won't hear a show. word you're saying. Oh, this killjoy. Yes. Just right. go back to reading your paper so Kat and I can have a good time. <sighs> All right, we got to start again. Okay. Remember I told you guys if I start seeming too sour about something? All right, here we go. Hey, we're coming to you with this time. <laughs> to your great benefit and enjoyment live on both Facebook and YouTube as we uh, record this, our next, our podcast episode. It's not next for you because you're mm-hmm. listening to it. Uh, yeah. anyway, before I forget, though, my name is Will, and joining me, as always, are my confounding friends and co-hosts, Kat and John. Hi, guys. Hey, hey, live again. Are These are always fun. Yeah. Hey, and don't forget to check out John on his very own podcast slash YouTube channel slash uh, break pads. Uh, Gen X Grown Up. There you go. Look. What was that last one? Break pads? Break pads. What did you say? Break pads. It provides everything. Drink out of your cup. Oh, oh, Muffler oh. work. You know, I'm going to start adding a sound whenever I do a video and I catch one. You know, usually when I make the videos, John, I don't know if you do this, but when mm-hmm. I edit videos of us, I don't make the show. You don't. I mean, you will make videos of yourself, but you don't use videos of the show yet. I know you're looking into it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But when yeah, I edit mm-hmm. videos of us, I try to cut away when one of us is drinking, you know? <laughs> oh, really? And I had a real doozy of a time. First of all, this Indiana Jones map thing. Holy shit. This provi- it's created such a <laughs> scenario, situation, a challenge to edit. Oh my God, it's a nightmare. That worked great. It's going to be available in like October. Anyway, but, but I had this one thing where you were both drinking at the same time. It's like yawning. Oh, I was like, no. well, I'm not cutting to either of them. So just cut to like me, you know, bigger. But now instead of doing that, I think I'm just going to add a sound effect when you guys drink. Like... <laughs> Something really, I don't know. I'll get an animal sound that's just like, you know. <laughs> oh, 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 like, oh. like a camel who submerged his entire snout. He's like, <laughs> like he's yeah. really up in there. Yeah. <laughs> and use it for me. And for Kat, you do a little, a little wispy sip. A, a wispy sip. Oh, hey, Laura. Laura from Southern Illinois saying hi. And Laura can say hi. And we can say hi to Nick and Marcus and Miss So and... There's probably some like those and other folks and Brandon's here uh, because they're joining us during this, like I mentioned, live uh, stream of our uh, episode that we're recording now. Hey, follow us on Facebook to find out when we do it again or on YouTube. We, you know, you'll find out in both of those places. Anyway, on today's live show, we're going to be sharing our thoughts about Back to the Future, the musical, which Kat and I just saw last week and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny that we all three have seen now at this point. We're going to talk about much, much more, though, because before that, we're going to review current news stories related to 1980s media, including new Funkos that have Kat draping herself on Amazon packages. Uh, Beetlejuice 2 has begun filming, and there are pictures to prove it. And we're going to ask the question, did the outfield write the ultimate summer song way back in 1986? There's time codes in the show. 
if you want to skip around. Huh. <laughs> oh, Laura misses trivia. Yeah, you know what, Laura? I think we're going to start doing trivia again. We'll start. We're going to figure that out. Um, anyway, right. uh, look, before we get started, though, I did want to make uh, at least one announcement. I feel like we can't mm-hmm. go a week without now reminding folks. It's just uh, days away now from being down in Atlanta, Georgia, the Southern mm-hmm. Fine Gaming Expo. All three of us will be there. We will be doing a panel, which is in sort of our true crime style, but it's it's not a true crime. It's a true travesty about the uh, <laughs> what happened to the Atari game. And game, it doesn't even tell. I mean, the ambitious Atari game, Sword Questers, mm-hmm. which is much bigger than just a video game. Uh, and, and some of the details surrounding that. Uh, so yeah, join it was us. an entire series and it was a promotional mm-hmm. gimmick and it was a contest and it was a, and I know a guy who got sent to California to participate. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I'll do it manually. I'll have to add in the real one. He's not a celebrity. It's not going to garner any clout by saying I know a guy. Yeah, hey, get a guy over there. Yeah, my guy. And they had real treasures, like real you know, jewel encrusted gold items to be won. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. you know? I can't wait to hear about this because I know nothing. Yeah, it's, it's pretty <laughs> curious. And it was happening during an interesting time with the video games uh, mm-hmm. business, you know, in the early 1980s mm-hmm. there. Marcus says he'll be in the front row heckling. Okay, cool. Awesome. <laughs> we need that kind of challenge. Cat well, and I can take the night off then if Marcus is going to oh. heckle. <laughs> I might just have Marcus come up at that point. Marcus, what was that nacho just, story about John? It's just, and go. Yeah. I might join Marcus because I don't know if I can handle like sitting next to you guys. I have to look at you. So you're going to you're gonna join Marcus sure in heckling us I'll instead? just go sit with Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> I need cat close enough I can elbow her when there's something funny. Oh, that would be fun. Okay, never mind. I'll stay near you. Okay. <laughs> Wait, are you elbowing her because she doesn't know it's funny, though? Is that what's happening? Hmm. Sounds like it. I'm not going to say why. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's get let's practice like uh, like we're live and we have to get done in an hour yes. before they kick us out right. of the room. Let's, let's pretend. And get caught up on 1980s <laughs> news. Hey, this week at 1980s news. I'm. Yeah. I'm glitching, and I just realized I didn't hardwire. Can I go do that? Yeah, sure. It's not a live show, so just do that. (laughs) That's fine. We can cut this out of the live show. They'll never know what happened. (laughs) Yeah, and it's on the one story that I definitely want cats. Attention All better, and I think. Here, of and this week in 1980s news, Duran Duran, you remember them. We've heard, we've talked about them, I don't know, once or twice on the show. The groundbreaking- just a couple times. Wait, who? You'll remember as I talk, John. The groundbreaking okay. English right, New I'll, Wave band I'll of the 1980s. Up. And curiously, the subject of an early Neil Gaiman book. Uh, I didn't, did you know Neil Gaiman wrote a book about Duran Duran? Neil Gaiman wrote a book about Duran Duran? Yeah, what? back in 1984 <laughs> when he was still a, a journalist. He wrote a book titled, no. actually it was his debut, titled Duran Duran, and it tells, quote, the story of the first four years of the Fab Five. Huh. Yeah. Wow. I want to dig that up. Uh, anyway. Neil Gaiman, yes. Anyway, that Duran Duran is now <laughs> coming to your homes, or can come to your homes, in the form of a Funko. <laughs> Funk. Oh, is the perfect name, because they're funky. Yeah. They're, oh, funk Oh, You want it to be funk O? Well, just the word funk, because oh, okay. I like... It, to me, they Funko. Yeah, are right. good at some funk. Yeah. Well, this set of figures is mm-hmm. inspired by the band's memorable award-winning uh, 1984 hit song, Wild Boys. Mm-hmm. Which album mm-hmm. did that come off of, Cat? Do you remember? Actually, that was from Arena. That was on, every, every other song was live. 
except for that one. That oh, really? was yeah. Oh, hence the name Arena because it was played. exactly oh, yep yep it. it was all recorded from uh, I don't know if it was the same arena I think somewhere in California or, or a variety of arenas. <laughs> so here's what they're going to look like. Uh, <gasps> Here they are. They're not available yet. They're each uh, just like all the other other Funkos. They're about four inches tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll be available. They're available for pre-order now. They'll be shipped uh, sometime in November uh, of the, later this year. They're and they cost about about twelve bucks. Par for the course. I have to say, I'm not yeah. a collector of. No items like this necessarily. But if somebody said, Hey, I want to give you these. Yeah. I wouldn't say no. Oh, okay. <laughs> or, you know, if I, if I were to receive them. Well, if someone were to yeah. give you a gift of a Simon LeBond Funko Pop, <laughs> you know, he's yeah. your favorite. Would you prefer the mm-hmm. wild boy version or mm-hmm. a version that was released back in 2019? Which is this one here? Uh, wild I think boy. I know the answer. <laughs> wild boy? You think I would pick the other one? Yes. Tell me why. Really? Why oh, do you think no. that? First of all, the, the other the look on the right, which as far as I can tell, Kat, you mm-hmm. tell me where you've seen this look before. Um, as far as I can tell, this uh-huh. is from a, uh, the only place I could find it is on the, well, let me, let me show you the next thing here. So they, they actually yeah. came out in 2019, a set of all of mm-hmm. them. Yeah. From yep. the same time period. And I, I could find, the only picture I could find that had them all in these outfits or similar outfits. The stripey was, shirts. Mm-hmm. Was this seven inch uh record uh, you know single for hungry like the wolf from 1982 and it's a japan a pressing from japan oh how oh. oh look at that that looks like every outfit yes yep. so that that must be what they took it from yeah that's er, that's early right and that's how they were dressed yeah around that time or even earlier like for um planet earth and girls on film okay which i love that time but when i was really becoming immersed in them and just like becoming a, a super fan. It was during, it was after Rio. It was after this time. So I was, mm. I was loving these songs. I was loving hungry, like mm. the wolf and Rio and all that, but it was during their seven in the ragged tiger time that I really <laughs> fell in love with them. <laughs> you know, Kat, when I look at this picture and I mm-hmm. see Simon, yes, I think one of two things, oh. either it invokes that he's a Vulcan on earth <laughs> and trying to save whales. <laughs> Or he has a head wound. One of those two things. He's hiding his pointy ears. Yes. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh. Also, Marcus says they were wearing this in the video. See, I, I, I skimmed through the video because I thought so too, but I didn't. They in must Hungry be wearing like the multiple wolf? outfits then, I guess. Mm. Right? Not in Hungry Like the Wolf. Oh, no. no this okay. is this is earlier. This is a little bit earlier than actually, actually earlier than Hungry Like the Wolf. Okay. So I mm. feel like okay. for this album, they just sort of picked, <laughs> picked a picture right. they liked. So you'd rather yeah. have the uh, Wild Boys, huh? I guess it, it, to me, I wouldn't know that was Simon LeBond on the left, but I'm familiar oh, with the look on the right. I understand. Mm-hmm. I, and the facial I, hair throws me off. Both, both are wonderful. It's it's actually hard to choose, but I feel more attached to the period of time of uh, of Wild Boys. And uh, here's the thing, Will. Though I mean. Yeah. If you're going to be buying gifts for Kat, yeah. why would you pull punches and just buy one of them? Why wouldn't you get her the whole set? Well, uh, you know, okay, John. Uh, well, I'll tell you, know, speaking of that, uh, I did some digging with regard to uh, Funko Pops and their values. Uh, oh. It turns out that uh, it seems that the, with regard to Duran Duran in particular. So Duran Duran, the most, mm-hmm. according to popfigures.com, the most expensive Duran Duran pop is Simon Le Bon. Oh, uh, which will, and, and the other one's not out yet. So you yeah, can yeah. buy it new when it comes he's, out for 12 bucks. He's the most valuable. He's worth 45 cents. <laughs> well, John, they weren't this even, I mean, the way they did it. 
Cat will get any Durani will get this year. Uh, the most expensive one is Simon Le Bon, and it's the mm-hmm. one I showed you that you know Seven and the Ragged Tiger. I guess you'd say virgin, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. will run you about twenty five to thirty bucks with shipping. On the other hand, and this is quoting pop figures, the cheapest one is Uh-oh. Andy Taylor for about six bucks. Oh man! Oh poor Andy! <laughs> poor Andy! <laughs> yeah, the least appreciated Duran. <laughs> Uh, Is he the Ringo of Duran Duran? He's not really. They're all really no? kind of uh, what's the word? You, you can't. You need them all. He, uh, yeah. Okay. But Andy's been the the least involved for yeah, a, a yeah. much longer period of time. And, he wasn't. Yeah. yeah. After the eighties, he yeah. wasn't involved anymore. Okay. But um, gotcha. he is responsible because of his rock background. He's responsible for their sound early on. Mm-hmm. Had some you know rock elements, mm-hmm. especially his guitar because he was the guitarist. Yeah. Like they're almost all yeah. indispensable to that early age, though, as far as, you know, their sound now. Which, uh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it turns out the most yeah. valuable uh, Funko Pop, however, was in, it was in uh, the Willy Wonka Pop, which sold for $100,000 in May of uh, last year. Oh, my goodness. Jeez. I thought it was interesting that uh, I was doing a little digging into Funkos, and, and it turns yeah. out, uh, the uh, according to the CEO, Andrew, Andrew Perlmutter, Mm-hmm. says that nostalgia plays a large part in which pop characters, you know, see these spikes in value. Mm-hmm. The Golden Girls and Bob Ross, for example, have been some of the most successful ones. Huh. Um, and in this article, it says, while other toy companies sell to moms with kids, Funko Pops sells to the moms themselves. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Especially with these. And now John spins his camera around <laughs> and a wall of Funkos collapses on him. <laughs> Do you have any Funkos? I have some pretty valuable Wreck-It Ralph Funko Pops. Oh. I, mean, I have a lot of Funkos. Okay. I have a lot of them. And I have, yeah. I think I have every one that was ever released for Wreck-It Ralph. Right? So it's, it, that's, the, that's the feeling I had with Kat. Like if you have one of them, yeah. you kind of want the rest of them. So like don't get her just one. Yeah. And, uh, and it's surprising. Like it's not even Ralph. It's like, it's a King Candy from the first one is like the most mm-hmm. valuable for some reason. Oh my gosh. You know, it's like, but it's not like hundred grand. It's like 150 bucks, you know, it's like, but I paid that's 12 or 15 yeah. when it was new. They do appreciate some, but yeah. most of them drop down to that five or six bucks. Like you said. Well, that, that one's really good. Cause well, but the point I was gonna make about buying them all is, um, obviously to get the whole collection that's coming out in November, you'd pay about 12 bucks each for the, the five members. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that, uh, that older collection from 2019, I saw on sale on eBay for $190 for all five together. So, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Most right. of that's for Simon, I'm guessing. Yeah, I was going to say it must be. Yeah. He's the most <laughs> valuable. He gets the, he gets the biggest cut. <laughs> and if you take that 30 bucks out and then we divide most over the remaining three and then toss Andy five bucks. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's the value. <laughs> Poor Andy. Such a great guy. Yeah, we, we almost had yes. him on the show. Except I say this every time, right? I guess he, he his people said he didn't want to talk about the 1980s, though, <laughs> which is the only time he was with Duran Duran. <laughs> it was so. a little. He, he was there a little bit in the. Oh, I forget what year it was. They did reunite for yeah. an album, right. and uh, yeah. <laughs> Why would we have you on a show but to talk about what you did in the 1980s? Yeah, I, well, I think it's because <laughs> you, you know. He's moved on. He it's had like, some drug issues, uh, I think. And he, he's, oh, I don't he's know. Moved on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's yep. crazy. That's. But he wrote a book about know. it. That's what I wanted to talk to him about. Right. About. I'm trying to think of somebody who had what? Like, did he do something else later? You know, I try to think of you know. He, you know we're going to speak with William Shatner. We don't want to talk about acting. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. The, the thing he's known most for. You right. know, okay, well, don't be right. on the show then. We want to talk only about his music. Yeah, yeah. He had <laughs> and a tech whole... war. <laughs> and tech war. His, his novel oh. series. <laughs> 
Andy oh, had a solo yeah. career after Duran Duran. Um, oh, did he? But, yeah. We he, don't want to talk about he that. He did, no. but no. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> hey, another 1980s news as published in Salon, a music journalist and previous 1980s now guest Annie Zaleski writes, the yeah. outfield's Your Love is the perfect summer song. Hmm. So... Uh, the British band, I didn't realize the outfield was British until I started reading an article, but the British band, the outfields, your love has okay. appeared in a handful of movies mm-hmm. and TV shows in years since it reached number six on the billboard hot 100 in 1986. And, mm-hmm. but unlike other popular 80 songs, as Zaleski points out, they didn't receive popularity be- only after appearing on these recent TV shows and, and movies, et cetera. Like, Kate yeah. Bush's song on Stranger Things or Metallica and Stranger Things yep. mm-hmm. is instead mm-hmm. built up a, fa- a steady fan base, you know, from a, in a variety of different areas, uh, you know, in the, in the decades since, mm-hmm. including on YouTube, it's very popular co- song to cover, uh, including just some drummers cover doing drum covers covers of it, which it does have a great uh, drum mm. line though. Actually, the way it changes between the chorus and the verses, it's pretty cool. I had no idea about um, all the covers. <laughs> I didn't realize that it was. Yeah, popular. I didn't either. <laughs> but also, it, mm. it, it, um, it, it, well, first of all, it was a band's. It was their first song to chart on yeah. the Billboard Hot 100. Mm-hmm. But it's been consistently popular on streaming platforms in radio, um, according to media base airplay data for for classic rock. Uh-huh. In late June, Your Love was just outside of the top 200 songs uh, for the format, as measured by, by Radio Spins. Uh, and the song is closing in on 600 million spins on Spotify and another 6 million views on YouTube. I never would have guessed. And it's not because I'm not a fan of the song. It's just there's so yeah. many songs that, you know, yeah. can have this kind of acclaim and attention. And there you go. Oh, Nick wants to know what love yeah. lesson did we take away from that song? Huh? Huh? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Diggity. Nick, I thought about you immediately because, and I'll tell you why, if you guys don't know, this song I've had, uh, uh, this song always kind of grossed me out a little bit when I was younger. Uh-huh. I love uh-huh. it musically. But this, the phrase, I just want to use your love tonight. When I was younger, I was just mm-hmm. always like, Ew, because like yeah, Nick was yeah, yeah. You know, talking about learning about, uh, what were we talking about? One Night Stands, right? We yeah, we'll about. save mm-hmm. a prayer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that um, I, I always associated sex with love. Like you had to mm-hmm. have, be in love with the person and have, you know, be committed. Mm-hmm. And, and so that idea yeah. of hearing these songs of talking about it so freely, like, oh, we just, that really freaked me out. I, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I, of course, I wasn't really paying attention to the lyrics at the time. Yeah. So we know that. Now right? that I'm thinking yeah. about it. It's yeah. funny, Will. I actually like this song uh-huh. because of the reason you don't like it. Because <laughs> it's about a one night stand or. No, because he's being forthright about oh. what it is he wants. Mm-hmm. He's being absolutely transparent about the relationship. Right. The thing okay. we talked about during the lessons from songs. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and. And, and the most cringy lyric I think is cool too. The one where he says, I like my girls a little bit older. Yeah. And some people go, ooh. And I'm like, would you rather he say <laughs> yeah, younger? Yeah. What, would you, what would you prefer? Yeah, I thought hurt. that was fine. <laughs> Not like uh, what, my Sharona. Yeah. Oh, oh no. yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> In a 2018 oh, no. interview, frontman for the band Tony Lewis expressed wonder that your love had become such an enduring staple. However, he said he, he understood exactly why radio Love the song. He says, quote, to be successful on radio, you have to grab the listener right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's got to pop mm-hmm. in the first sort of 10 seconds, end quote. And that had me thinking about, you know, when we did our, we do like our six seconds of a new song, see if we yes. can get through it. I, that totally, mm-hmm. I totally thought of that, Will. It did, yeah. you know, did it catch you? Did it hook you in? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, this points out how 
he was kind of a trailblazer in that regard because studies have shown that streaming is shaping the arrangements of contemporary songs, including making intros shorter. So mm-hmm. it's not only, you know, us who mm-hmm. we want to get hooked within the first few seconds. It turns out that's a larger mm-hmm. phenomenon in that new musicians are now catering to that. Uh, whereas, you know, these mm-hmm. guys were trendsetters or, or sorry, they, they were creating something, a novel kind of idea of doing that. And that's really interesting. Yeah, because I understand the mentality of catching somebody with a song they haven't heard before. Mm-hmm. Because we use that in, I use that in YouTube all the time, right? You mm-hmm. try to put something punchy in the first like two seconds for somebody to go, well, I'll stick around. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But when I'm, when I'm skipping through music and I like I'm in the car, when I listen to most music, I don't base whether or not I skip ahead on the first few seconds of the song. Mm-hmm. I base it on reading what the song is in the album cover. Mm. Like I know what's coming, right? If I see it's human by human league, okay. yeah. the, the best part about that song is three minutes in. I'm hanging around. They don't have to grab me at the beginning, but I guess if it's unknown music, it makes more yeah. sense. I right. think it's, yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's more focused on if, if it's, yeah, new, right. really fresh. Yeah. Because we were certainly buzzing some of those popular songs in those previous shows pretty quickly, just based on either like the timber of the voice yeah. or the, too you know, the, the or rhythm yeah. or whatever. So you make a quick judgment, I guess, if you don't know the song, it makes more sense. Yeah. And yeah. I think, by the nature of the medium when we were kids, we kind of wound up hearing most of the songs in their entirety. Mm-hmm. So you had to right. kind of learn if you liked it or not. And you'd hear that, well, that, and yet, that twist that you love. Yes. You had to have that that long intro because the DJ had to talk over it back then. Oh, that too, right? Yeah. I watched the video point. for Your Love and it goes on for like 30 seconds before he gets to the mic. Uh-huh. And that was when the DJ was, you know, all the music that's fit to listen to on YNF, whatever. And he's screaming at you <laughs> and he stops right before the first syllable is, is spit out, right? He's, he knows when to stop. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know what's fascinating though, John, is in, in the actual version of the song, and this mm-hmm. I didn't realize this because they were talking about getting to it quickly. Mm-hmm. If you just uh-huh. take a guess, when does he start singing? What measure do you think he starts singing the first lyric? First measure, what second measure? measure, third measure, fourth measure. I'll give you those choices. One, two, three, or four. It, well, in the version I heard, it's none of them. Yeah. But you're saying the radio version, yeah. right. what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I didn't remember this until I did the same thing you did. I listened to the video and I was like, well, they don't get to it right away. I looked up the record. It may be like by the by the third beat of the first measure. Oh. And he's on a vacation. I think it's quick. You're absolutely it, right, John. First wow, measure. Wow, it's in the Is first. It? Oh my God. Yeah, because you got... You got two strums and then the third beat. Mm-hmm. Starts right away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's insane. So even this is, it's quicker to get to it than a contemporary song. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is real. It is. I, I like the song, John. I just, I did find the lyrics kind of gross and confusing when I was a kid, though. <laughs> it's a great song. It is a great song. Is that song. still true, Will? Is it better now? Oh, yeah, because I have one night stands all the time. I'm pro one night stands. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Now it's his anthem. Yes, exactly. <laughs> My ringtone is my horn when I honk when I pull up to my date's house for the once. <laughs> That's why it's the perfect summer song, perfect fall song, yeah. perfect winter song, perfect mm. spring song. Well, regard, yeah. You remind me what we're talking about this in the first place is, and why, so ultimately Zaleski comes around to saying that uh, mm-hmm. the song itself, you know, obviously he's talking about these, uh, his romantic, this romantic dalliance that this, this guy has. And it's, it's kind of a push and a pull because he talks about, there's some kind of contradictions. I don't, I don't, I just want to use your love. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose your love. So there's this various mm-hmm. pushes and pulls that she associates ultimately with, you know, sort of the excitement of new romance. And summer, as she says, is a prime time for a romantic fling mm-hmm. uh, and you're gra- and grappling with the conflicting feelings around those fleeting romances. So 
therefore your love is uh, the perfect soundtrack for that. Uh, I've got to dig in a tiny bit more here, Will, yeah. because <laughs> even listening to it now, with mm-hmm. a, this is most critically I've ever thought about this song. Yeah. <laughs> even thinking about it very critically now, I can't find any cringe in it because what I hear the vocalist saying is, I'm going to take the lyrics out of it and just paraphrase. Mm-hmm. I would like to have sex with you, but I don't want it to wreck our relationship. Okay. That's oh, what he's saying. Okay. I want okay. to use your love. I don't want to lose your love, right? Gotcha. It's like, here's what I want out of you, but I don't want to damage this other thing we have. Can we do that? Oh. That's See, I heard it as very straightforward. I never felt it as... Yeah. Maybe it's cringy if like you were brought up not even broaching the subject. Like that's taboo. Right. Yeah. yeah so yeah. the fact that you go, you know what I would like to do? Like you can't talk about it. And then he did. <laughs> maybe right, maybe right, he right. felt that way. So it's like a friend with a benefit situation you're thinking. <laughs> you or or might be might, someone you love with a benefit with okay. whom you have not crossed that barrier yet. And okay. you're like, that's where I'd like to go. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What you thinking? Can we make this happen? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than doing it yeah. and asking forgiveness later, they're asking permission. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a really cool take. I like that, John. And I think there's probably other lyrics to support that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. ultimately, Zaleski concludes that, you know, what one of the, she says the genius of the song is that the narrator never spells out what happens. Because, you know, it starts with Josie's on vacation. Right. But what yeah, happens yeah. when she comes back? Do they consummate their love? Does it turn out she's, like you're saying, just a friend who's like, no, I don't feel about mm-hmm. it, feel that way about you. <gasps> right, right. Ooh, open-ended. Hey, and finally, in, in, in 1980s news, as reported by Entertainment Weekly, Beetlejuice 2 is f- filming is, is underway. Uh, and Jenna Ortega was spotted on the set of Tim Burton's upcoming sequel flick in Hertfordshire, England, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. uh, on July 7th, filming what appeared to be a wedding scene. She's dressed in a white satin gown with bright pink tulle and rocking a chunky white platform boots with pink laces. And John, I got to say, this made me think John got this right. You know? Yep. Yep. John's called. I it, loved it. She'd have to be the opposite of Lydia's character, her mom. I That's was right. thinking that too. Yeah. Yep, yep. The first thing we had heard about, <laughs> one of the earliest things we heard about Beetlejuice yep. casting recently was that she was cast. We didn't know anything about her character. And then two months after that, we learned that she was to be Lydia Dietz's daughter. And so, mm-hmm. uh, like John has suggested, she's kind of the inverse of what we would expect from Winona Ryder's character, who is also seen <laughs> in photos. And they're leaning in to oh. the Lydia Dietz thing, right? <laughs> Look at her. It's like, <laughs> oh, so your daughter is in this gorgeous gown with a little punk rock with the boots and everything, right? Yep. And you're super frumpy in all black with that yep. bowl cut again. <laughs> bowl cut? Reinforcing. Not a bowl cut? She's got what spiky she bangs. It's um, long hair. It looks like a bowl it's cut. It's sculpted. Right across. Definitely yeah. sculpted. It's uh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With, with a bowl. <laughs> Jenna in her uh, wedding dress there. I mean, and we know if that's during shooting, you know, maybe she is not. You know, maybe she's more like her mother, but she's in this gown. But I think yeah. she wouldn't be at her wedding in white if that was her thing, right? So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, put me in the writer's room. Yeah, well, yeah. And there's other photos that show her with her, uh, let's see, her co-star, uh, Felipe Cates, uh, as they seem to be walking down the aisle. So mm-hmm. huh. I'm guessing by the setting, maybe I automatically assumed they were supposed to be at that house in, I think it was supposed to be Connecticut. Okay. You know, where mm-hmm. the first film takes place. But maybe that wouldn't make sense because like we, like we speculated Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis can't be in it or won't be. Mm-hmm. And I right. would imagine they're, if anything, still in that house, you know, could find, right. couldn't leave uh, as the story goes. Um, so maybe it is just a completely different location. It doesn't really matter. Who cares? 
Um, <laughs> what else did I wanted to tell you? Tell you? Oh, of course. So Tim Burton's back directing it, and look, in spite of what uh, the box office returns were for The Flash, once again, uh-huh. I'm excited to see Michael Keaton reprise a character that he first played in the 1980s. So he's back as the titular ghost with the most again as well. He's a busy guy. <laughs> yeah, I gotta think. I mean, in a moment we're going to be talking about uh, you know Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You got, I, I love these guys. I love these yeah. guys, you know, mm-hmm. but you got to think you're, you're, you're doing these things because some producer comes to him and says like, we just got to get this money while it's on the table, <laughs> you know, until so they just do it all. <laughs> all right, sure. Yep. <laughs> Which I don't begrudge him that, but, and, and these, I don't, I, the Mike, the Batman thing I think was great. This I'm yeah. all for. Yeah. Yeah. Keaton is the reason to see it in my opinion. Uh, yeah. But Tim Burton will be directing again. And of course, this March Ortega's second time working with Burton because he was also an executive producer and directed four of the eight episodes of the TV show Wednesday, Netflix, uh-huh. show, which is a fantastic mm-hmm. show, by the way. And she's, I really, yeah, she's I want to see it. I have mm-hmm. not seen it. Neither has Miss So. He's heard good things just as I oh, have. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. I want to see I'll tell you what's that. great. I, I, I visited Infinity Con in Tallahassee over the weekend, and one of the vendors I went to had Lego minifigures, but ones that Lego doesn't make, right? They get them from overseas, from oh, Taiwan okay, or China right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they're minifigs of franchises that Lego doesn't have, and so they make their own. And so I bought a Wednesday mm-hmm. Adams, and the mm-hmm. thing that sold it to me wasn't the black dress, uh-huh. wasn't the wig, it wasn't the black umbrella. All that was awesome. But uh-huh. sitting next to her, Clamped onto one little stud oh. was a disembodied minifigure hand. <laughs> Just a hand. Just a hand. Oh my goodness. Okay. So awful. thing was with her and I'm like, here's my money. <laughs> Give so it to funny. me. I have to have it. That's Which is thing. funny, John, because you could have ripped the hand out of any of your minifigures and said, of this course. is a thing. Yeah, this is thing. But the standing <laughs> next to her, yeah. sold. That's funny. Oh That's my an goodness. excellent yep. excuse to buy it. <laughs> yep. In case I needed one. Uh, And finally, uh, the Hollywood Reporter recently uh, reported that uh, Willem Dafoe will be playing a, quote, law enforcement officer in the afterlife, end quote. And that sounds like like a perfect thing for Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, because you hear that afterlife part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you said playing a long law enforcement officer, I'm like, what a waste of Willem. And you're like, in the afterlife, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Sold. (laughs) So, look, I look forward. To that, uh, we're gonna look. Let's get out of news because we're gonna talk about some other enduring '80s properties that are coming back to us in different ways. And uh, yes, yes, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Some thoughts about it. All right. So hey, let's All say. Right. Let me change my screens here. Hey, that was 1980s news. Hey, our independent podcast is brought to you every week by folks just like you. So if you'd like to help us out, please. Follow us on the podcast platform you're listening to right now. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Share an episode on Facebook. All of these actions just take a moment and are 100% free. But if you'd like to chuck in a buck and help us keep publishing the show week after week, please visit us at 1980snow.com support to find out how you can send us a dollar or two. And thank you so much. It means a lot. Uh, did we mention Kat's doing a good job of keeping up with people over here without any secret hand signals? Uh, I'm Monica says hello from Texas. Good. Monica. Hey there, Monica. Hello, Monica. Hey, Monica. Thanks for joining us. I've never been there. Have yeah. you? I've only been there for work and I didn't, okay. didn't mm-hmm. go exploring. I just, you know, my yeah. profession and yeah. my full-time job as a podcaster takes me to different places in the world. <laughs> and I was... Why are you laughing at that? That's a weird spot. To <laughs> Let me tell you, anytime you go to Texas, it's yeah. work. 
<laughs> oh, oh Monica. No. Oh no. That's <laughs> terrible. The last time I was there it was like a cookie oven. It was oh, it was 120 oh. degrees and 1% humidity and oh. I was like, "Oh, water, water." I was water. downtown and felt like felt like I was crawling through the desert. Oh, <laughs> that kind of work. That would be, yes. Yeah. That'll be bad. Uh, All right. Hey, okay. So look, look, we talked mm-hmm. about, so we did the news. It's kind of almost just like more news, but also sharing mm-hmm. some of our experiences because mm-hmm. whatever. So we're going to yeah. talk about two things right now. One, uh-huh. and if you don't want to hear any of it, then use the time codes to skip ahead or skip <laughs> backwards and listen to something you heard already. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Finally, reuse just for those. Great. Oh, Miss So says she loves the cl- closet door behind you, Kat. It adds some mystery. <gasps> Ooh. I really want to see someone pop out of there and scare the shit out of you. That would be. It's got to be. Awesome. <laughs> I told her it's the pantry. She's just she's pulling spices out of there periodically as a snack. Yeah, <laughs> she's, it's a cookie. little nut bag. She, look, based on the, <laughs> the hand signals that you guys are doing earlier, especially Cat, I've been here. If she started doing a cooking show while we were doing the regular, I, I mean, would you be surprised? I'm gonna be surprised. <laughs> Because Marcus suggested so. it. If Marcus um, suggested it, I would do it. Exactly. See, that's why she's the good one. Uh, Nick says, mm-hmm. honestly, I felt a lot like Will. That's why it caught me attention, Nick, since you said that. This is agreed with you, certainly. <laughs> Regarding your love, sex having an inseparable link to love. Yeah, it was super naughty to my then young mind, but I really like John's interpretation. Yeah, I nice. do too. Nice. Very nice. So you started out Thank liking me and into liking John. That's like most, most experiences. You, you notice how Will's people. enthusiasm tapered off as he realized it wasn't all about him. Like, but I really like. Listen to what Will said. And at the end, it's like, yeah, John's interpretation. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Moving on. That's the end of news. So look, <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about two things right now. One, uh, Back to the Future, the musical, which Kat and I just saw last week. And then we're going to talk mm-hmm. about Dial of Destiny. And I think for the most part, we can do it spoiler free, although there's. There may be Tricky. one or two things okay. that we we'll gotta just spoil, mm-hmm. but we'll warn you when we get to that. We'll do um, our best. Yeah. Although even then, the, the stuff we're going to talk about, it's it doesn't. You know, you'll what ninety five percent of the movie, or ninety eight percent of the movie, right. not really affect. I think it won't damage yeah. the reason you would go see an yes. Indiana Jones right. movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Probably yeah. Right. if you yeah. you won't hear these minor spoilers and go, well, I'm not going to go see right. it. Exactly. Right. Now gonna, I don't have. You to. aren't going <laughs> to see it anyway. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wait, Marcus says the guy is cheating on Josie with his older friend. Uh, wait. What? Oh, so Josie's away, so he's free to cheat? Oh. She's on a vacation far away. Oh, yeah. I thought Josie was the one he was interested in, but he couldn't oh. consummate it because she's not there. Twist. Okay. It's just love the one you're with. Uh, in the you know 80s what? We should have done a whole episode on this, Marcus. Wait, we might need to. That, right? That's a song I hate. <laughs> what? Love the one you're with? Yes. Yeah. See, that. Yeah, I that hate is. that song. Well, yeah. All right. Okay. We're getting off track. Oh. But yeah, the notion of that's terrible. It's like. Goes your spouse out getting groceries? Let's yeah. go. <laughs> it's terrible. It's awful. I'm just trying to drop off an Amazon package. It has Simon Le Bon in it. Why are you doing what you're doing? To Come box? on in. Stop draping over it. Yeah. Oh, rude. Oh, see, Miss So says, "Well, we love you just as much." Thank you, Miss So. Aww, All right. So, hey, back does. to the future of the musical. So, Kat and I saw it last week, as we mentioned. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. Just for folks to get caught up, obviously it's it's uh, mm-hmm. the night they took the 1985 film, which was written and which was directed and co-written by Bob Zemeckis, and they adapted it into a musical with. And here's the good mm-hmm. news about it: the music and lyrics are by the film's original composer Alan Silvestri, along with uh-huh. Glenn Ballard, who Glenn's got a deep 1980s pedigree and since. I mean, he's worked mm-hmm. with Michael Jackson. 
Uh, most mm-hmm. notably, he's worked with somebody else that's, I can't think of at the top of my head, but I had it a second ago. <laughs> and lots of other people. And the book for the musical was written by original screenwriter Bob Gale. Uh, yeah. And the show features features original music as well as songs featured in the film, such as Power of Love and Johnny Be Good. I've already downloaded the, the soundtrack so that I can listen to oh, okay, it myself. Cool. Now I gotta say, <laughs> we can talk about this in a moment, but mm-hmm. I don't think, I tried doing that too, John, because I've done that before. In, in, in fact, just to mm-hmm. understand the context of what they're singing, because sometimes the audio is yeah. not so fantastic. Mm-hmm. I did that with Hamilton before I saw Hamilton and helped, I think, immensely. But mm-hmm. this one, I, I, I listened to the music. I got three songs in, I was like, ah, oh, it's fine. Then I saw it and I was like, oh, okay. It's not, not to discourage you, but I, if if for some reason you think, eh, it's meh, see, you still got to see it. Yes. Like we're just talking about the Dial of Destiny is that if the music was going to dissuade me from seeing it, I wasn't going to see it in the first place. Yes. I'm going to see it based on the <laughs> right. franchise, so it's all right. Here's another, here's another encouraging thing about Back to the Future musical. Because, I, look, when I first heard they were going to do this, I was very skeptical and cynical mm-hmm. and all the alls. But Bob Gale, who, again, who wrote the original screenplay, not said Will. he realized that when people have been asking for a Back to the Future 4 for the last several mm-hmm. decades since the original film came out, he realized what they mm-hmm. really were asking for is to have that feeling, that experience that they had, that joy they felt when they saw the original film for the first time. And in creating this mm-hmm. musical, he was able to do that. That this this show itself is at the heart of it, is that's what this musical does. And so hmm. uh, anyway, so five just what? a few details. So five years after... Five years later uh, than planned, mm-hmm. the musical finally opened at the Manchester Opera House <laughs> in London on March 11th, 2020. It opened March 11th, 2020 in London. So what else was happening in March of 2020? Oh, yeah. Um, um, yeah. Three days we're later. Two great. days later. Yeah. So, yeah, just a few <laughs> days later, yep, uh, yep. COVID-19 shut it yep. down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it did not mm-hmm. reopen again until it transferred to the West End in September of 2021. We're just in Foley for everything now. <laughs> that production was nominated for seven, seven Lawrence Olivier Awards, including Best New Musical, which it won. So we're talking about the West End production. Well, now it's yes, finally it on Broadway. It began previews on June 30th, Cat. Did you realize that? We saw it during previews just a few days after. It had just uh, yes. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that new. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, and it was, it was at the Winter Garden Theater, which Kat and I and folks on the East Coast only associate that theater with another long-running musical. <laughs> Cats! Cats! <laughs> That's where I saw it twice. <laughs> oh, you did? I, oh. I did. I did. I don't remember for sure. That might be where I saw Beetlejuice. It might have been at the Winter Garden oh. Theater, actually. Oh, that's possible. Mm. Cats did close up. I think it was there, ago. too. Mm. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, and, and cool. Beetlejuice just closed a lot in March of this year. So Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's not going to officially open yeah. until August uh, of this summer. So, uh, yeah, there's still, mm-hmm. we got some kinks mm-hmm. to work out. And, uh, but <laughs> Did you see tr- kinks? Did it feel unpolished? Oh, well, there was a, yeah, there was a great kink. Yeah. <laughs> what was the great kink? There, there was, a, yeah, well, what happened? Explain. Did the DeLorean go to the wrong time and <laughs> mess up and go to the wrong year? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing in the 20s? <laughs> just did a mug. Keep it up. The cover for the kink. There, there was some issue with the, the scenery moving at one point, yeah. and they mm. they brought a, a scrim down in front. And what did it say, Will? It was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, please 
excuse us or be patient while we fix the time space continuum. It was, they were ready. They, they, they oh, yeah, had, they yeah, right. it was, it was great. Right. But they even keep their, they kept their problem themed, which mm-hmm. I'm yes. sure actually engendered some yes. chuckles and smiles, even though it was a problem. Oh, that's smart. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> now, we're not going to be able to name all the wonderful folks that brought this thing to life, but uh, the, the creative team mm-hmm. that, you know, staged it ulti- originally in, in, in London, it's the same folks that uh, are involved in the Broadway production, of course. Okay. I would imagine very little to, to not the next to nothing had actually changed, but it was it, it, including director John Rando and the mm-hmm. uh, cast, uh, two of the cast members from the original production came over as well, including Roger Bart, who plays uh, mm-hmm. the uh, Mar- uh, the uh, Doc Brown character, and mm-hmm. Hugh Coles, who uh, plays George McFly. Um, mm. And a new guy took oh over for gosh. Marty, uh, a gentleman named Casey Likes, I'm going to say, because it looks like Likes as his last name. So while you're on the topic of casting, let me yeah. ask you two little, well, what's one question about two people? So I watched some clips. Mm-hmm. I watched a clip of, uh, of mm-hmm. that stage uh, that cast performing, uh, you know, like a medley on some award show or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. And of the ones that I saw, the Marty seemed to slip in and out of his Martiness. Mm-hmm. Like if he was mm-hmm. going to be singing, he wasn't Marty. And when he was talking, he kind of had a little like lilted his yeah. voice sometimes. Right. And okay. so, I, and, and then the Doc Brown, I didn't see speaking much, but what I saw of him seemed like he mm-hmm. nailed it more than the guy that played Marty. Mm-hmm. So since the recasting yeah. these iconic characters, yeah. how did you uh-huh. think the casting was of those two primaries? I mean, I think anybody could fill in on the others because they're not mm-hmm. so iconic, but how, how did you feel about the portrayals? Well, you want to go? Oh, I, thought you, <laughs> I thought you would go. You would delay. You thought that I was would a delay. I, that was a delay. <laughs> I'm just catching on. Um, I, I would say I, I was pleased with... Mm-hmm. Marty. Um, but I feel like, wow, those are big shoes to fill. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think he did a fine job, you know, like I, um, but the, um, the doc was better, like just way better. I thought but, he looked like it. Okay. Well, he did. I, there, there's some, I hadn't, not an experience. I, I had a perception thing happen though, because when doc first came out and started, I was like, Hmm. Like, not that I was disappointed, but it's like part of me wanted him to be just like in the movie. <laughs> and he he wasn't, but it was wonderful. Like, it okay. didn't take me yeah. that long yeah. to be fully on board with his portrayal of Doc, which wasn't wildly different. But there mm-hmm. there were some things that were were very different, but he... He just mm-hmm. was yeah. excellent, excellent. I felt that Marty was doing a Marty McFly impression, but I didn't uh-huh. feel the Doc Brown was mm-hmm. doing that Christopher Lloyd impression. Like it felt like he was doing right. his own thing. So yes, he was. He was, and yeah. it was wonderful. I, th- I, think, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. and you're right. Marty was a little like uh, he built a time machine. I love a DeLorean. <laughs> it was kind of like that every now and then. But yes, w- yes. most of the, most of the yeah. actors, like Kat's suggesting, they would do touches to sort of you know. But mm-hmm. I, I was worried when some of them came out and were like, you know, yeah, hey, Doc. I heard that and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> this <laughs> right, is going to be right. like a Saturday Night Live sketch, a parody. <laughs> right, but right, right. Somehow right. they managed not to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think yeah, part of it is yeah. because the play is, is, is like part homage to the film, but at the yeah, same time, oh, yeah. they yeah. know that they're making a musical that's on stage. So they take advantage of the media, the medium mm-hmm. of the stage, mm-hmm. you know. So this is a great balance of, but it never feels mm-hmm. like fan service and it never feels like shtick nah. in the way that we're talking about. It just, I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Somehow yeah. they just hit upon this, you know, this right uh, mix of these different things. 
But you're also right about Roger Bard, who played uh, the Christopher Lloyd character, the character that Christopher Lloyd, uh, you know, uh, what they call that originated on on, on screen. Mm-hmm. He did a little mm-hmm. bit of his sort of voice and mannerisms for some for yeah, yeah, for yeah. lines that are lifted straight off the screenplay. Yes, but yes. For the most yeah, part, like yeah. Kat saying, he just went wild and had a ball with it. Oh, um, it was great. <laughs> and I thought it was going to bother me yeah. at first how much fun he was having. But it's infectious. And it really seemed like the way the show was written, but also the freedom they gave the actors. Yeah. The kind of fun was that at times the actors via their characters were able to show, to demonstrate that they're fans too. You know, that they get it too. They know what we like about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, talking about sort of like, you know, I'm saying metaphorically with a wink. Sometimes it was literally a wink. You know, I can't remember, Kat, there was a joke. They they looked at the audience and addressed the audience sometimes, you know, yes. but, like they'd make a joke that we knew was from the movie and meant a certain thing. And then they'd look at the mm-hmm. audience like, come on, I mean, you know, we yes, had it on the line. Did like breaking the wall, did. winking at you. And yeah. those two yeah. that, that we're talking about mm-hmm. had a wonderful rapport. They they oh, had, yeah. you know, parts all, all throughout the show. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I won't, I won't give details of what it, what it was about, but it, it, became hilarious and it became difficult for them to not laugh. Also, it it had that, like it it almost was a Saturday night live skit where they're like trying really (laughs) hard to not laugh. And it was really funny. Maybe only because I've been in this position on stage before, but it was clear Mm -hmm. to me that Roger Bart, the doc, Mm -hmm. the doc Brown character was trying Mm -hmm. to get the Marty actor to break. I think there were like right. four times <laughs> where the, he would just keep yeah. doing this bit. And he was like, I'm not going to stop doing it until you can't handle it anymore. And finally, by like the third or fourth time yeah. this is over the course of the show, they both started mm-hmm. cracking up. <laughs> and again, I, I would have thought it would have bothered me by then, but by then I was, you know, you get the spirit of it that it's, it was great. So think about live theater. Yeah. It's because yeah. you are actually both there in the space yeah. Yeah. and it stops yeah. being, entertain me and it, it's more like here we are together do your thing and let me participate almost yeah. right because you can mm-hmm, react mm-hmm. and they can hear you in real time so when i've seen live theater even with mistakes as long as they like you said the scrim came down but yeah. even less planned yeah. mistakes as long as uh you know I, I saw this crazy play i won't go into too deeply but at one point they go around the audience and take props that they want to use and they got this prop that like broke when they had it and so they like I think it broke someone's camera or something. They, they, oh, the strap no. broke and it fell and crap. And surely problems were happening. Maybe it was staged, but everybody was like, <gasps> and then they kind of make a big joke out of it. So maybe it was, I don't know. Anyway, I don't mm-hmm. mind the mistakes live like I yeah. would like a bad performance on SNL or something, even though that's live, but we're not there. Yeah. But yeah, I could see right. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and with regard to the, uh, you, you, you're talking about how how closely they tried to, whether they tried to be like the, the film film counterparts or not. Every main character did have a little bit of something, but the actor mm-hmm. Hugh Coles, mm-hmm. who came over from the West End, who originated the George McFly character over there, oh I for just one <laughs> moment thought he's doing he's going to be doing a parody of Crispin Glover's mm-hmm. version, but mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. it was like Crispin Glover came on appeared on stage and took over this kid because really wow sounded, Stuck strong looks enough like him and had the physical mm-hmm. mannerisms. To just make you believe that. To a T. It was amazing. Oh. And, and part, you know, throughout the play, they do definitely stage some of the iconic moments from, from, the, from mm-hmm. the movie as best as they can. And some mm-hmm. of them look a little more, you know, sort of uh, spawn on like this one. And this is obviously what you more come to expect from a Broadway musical where, you know, yeah. it's a, it, on stage, but you don't care because you've already sort of bought into the reality right. of it. 
Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Framed by a, a beautiful, does, this picture doesn't do it service, but a beautifully sculpted oh. uh, clock tower uh, structure yes. behind them. That said, I guess the only other thing that I sort of wanted to, to mention about the show was that I, the the technic the technical aspect of it. Oh my gosh! I was going to say, yeah, yeah all, all the special effects and the lighting and wow! I didn't <laughs> know any of that was oh going to be gosh. like to the extent it was. I no, I had no idea. But <laughs> uh, they use a series, like Kat said, to have a, one, a scrim in the front and a scrims in the back, where they're able to do these projections that are fantastic. And mm-hmm. just further mm-hmm. create the reality of this. You got to think the biggest challenge yeah. in the staging is your first thought is, well, how are they going to do a DeLorean? Right. <laughs> and time travel. Yeah. <laughs> they did it. They did it. There's a bunch of lights I can imagine and projections. And like, oh, like was I was wondering, like, so since I have not seen this again, wham, I'm crying, but like, how would you do Beetlejuice? Right. But they had like right. the giant striped mm-hmm. black and white sandworm on stage. Yeah. I'm like, I can't believe they pulled that off. I There's some creative people over there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Surprising. John, I feel like I need to give you myself <laughs> as a consolation prize no, or something. <laughs> a consolation prize. But I wonder if it'll be that spectacular when it tours, though. Now, we're far from oh, touring yeah. right now. I hope so. You may have Ooh. to scale some things down, John. But I, mm-hmm. obviously, I think the thing yeah. they can't scrimp on is the car. Because they have a full-size DeLorean <gasps> yeah. that's on some kind of gimbaled arm that can make it drive like a real car on stage. You know, going across mm. in any direction, turning, Crazy. spinning, whatever. Mm-hmm. And when they accompany that with the video screens being in motion, you will think it's oh driving gosh. down the street, around street corners, racing to 88 miles per hour, and then blasting <laughs> off to a different time. Oh my gosh. So yeah. convincing. And we had amazing seats and we were just like, I felt like we're in this. <laughs> Speaking of the car, yes. I, I have I, I have lots of questions, but one more question I want to ask you during this show. Yeah. And that is, mm-hmm. did the ending leave it open for a sequel <laughs> Stage production yeah, that would be- because oh. the ending of Back to the Future is very clearly huh. let's get back to wow. it, right? I, I, ah. mm, I feel a little bit like uh, you know that's uh... <laughs> because I'm saying that's if you're hitting mm-hmm. all the beats of yes. the film, yes, okay. Yes. Well, you got to you got to mm-hmm. do the we're at the Twin Pines Mall. Yeah, you got to do the mm-hmm. the. The, the, you've got to do the 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 dance, whatever. The, right. I'm trying to think of the name Enchantment of it. Enchantment under the sea dance. The Enchantment right. under you've got to do the Johnny B. Good. There's yeah. things you can't yep. not do. Mm-hmm. Of course. But one of those of things course. is iconic in the film is mm-hmm. you show up and you've got the Mr. Fusion mm-hmm. and it's your kids, Marty. It's your kids. What, do they turn out to be assholes or something? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should yeah. go on the road, they, Will. That's a nice Marty. They, 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 do, uh, they do all the beats. They do all the beats you'd expect, John. We'll say mm-hmm. it that way. <laughs> okay, you're not going to tell me. All right, that, that's a, the best non-answer I'm going to get. Kat, you, you can tell me can later tell when you. Will's not listening. Yeah. We know okay, what I will tell, tell you, John. Yeah. I, I achieved a, a bucket list item for this trip, going to see the show that I didn't even know I had. Yeah. Being a passenger yeah. in a car yeah. that Will's driving <laughs> from New Jersey to New York and back again. Yeah. It was so fun. <laughs> I got to see this bucket list. <laughs> Wow. I think you're wasting your time on a lot of stuff. (laughs) No way. Was it the playlist? All Duran Duran, both ways? It was as exciting as time traveling, though. We go to the Lincoln Tunnel, you know, it's kind of like that. Yes, yeah, that's a good time Uh, travel, yeah. John, you can find out the answer when the North American tour starts uh, next year. Uh, It's it's scheduled to begin at Playhouse Square here in Cleveland, Ohio. And so far, they've only announced dates for Schenectady, Charlotte, and Washington, D.C., but I imagine it's going to be coming to a theater near you real soon. 
Oh my yeah. goodness. You know hit up this is a Orlando live show. So it's, it's going, I was going to say it's a live show. So we're going long. That's not the reason. <laughs> well, you do it every week. Uh, uh, but oh, Marcus says your Michael J. Fox is oh, great. Thanks Mel. man. I really Mel. appreciate it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because I haven't hit puberty yet. But the fact that, um, look, you guys know back, John mentioned Beetlejuice is a musical. Now, how do you do that? Back to the future is a musical. We've had little mm-hmm. shop of horrors and Annie were, musicals and then they were made into right. movies in the 1980s so you have mm, all right. this you know yeah so once again it's time to play it's not for us. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> i've yes. got i've got a whole do we have a map <laughs> no i'm not doing that again <laughs> i'll create something you so- missed the comment earlier yeah. that marcus said yeah. board that. game on an audio podcast perfect hey marcus i was gonna share the video but the thing is so complicated to edit it turns out and you know why it's so complicated is because we were <laughs> making up the rules as we went because the game was a disaster and i left a little touch in there but the like five minutes we shut down where i was like what am i doing like why? no and you guys were like at the game i was like no my life like why are we no he had an existential crisis around this this photoshop document that he was manipulating <laughs> Like, you should just put it out there as is. <laughs> I mean, why do we do a podcast every week at all? I mean, He's flashing back to it right For now. all these wonderful people, for Miss So and Marcus and Brandon and Nick and who did I miss? Uh-huh. Oh, Kathy's here. Kathy's and here? Laura, oh, hey, Kathy. Laura. Kathy Burke is here. Oh, that snapped you out of it. All right, very good. Hey, Kathy's not mad at it. <laughs> so it turns out there's a number of 1980s properties, films in particular, that were made into musicals. Okay. Many of which arrived on Broadway, some off-Broadway, some uh, didn't even get as far as off-Broadway because they died in the, you know, the, the uh, pre-Broadway stages in Illinois or these various theaters throughout the country mm. where they test them out. Some of them were in smaller theaters, but they were recognized by you know uh, locally or whatever. Anyway, I, I'm mm-hmm. saying all this just to it, just to cut off any John any bitch and John's gonna do about something I try to trick him or whatever. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but that was a high school play. That shouldn't count. That was two kids in their garage wrote it. All right, John, it's not the case. All right, see, you knew it. You know, you know. Well, <sighs> you know, I'm less interested in the right answers, yeah. and I'm more interested in finding the wrong answers that Will chooses that he thinks will think are right, right answers. Well, we'll know. Right? We're going to know. All right. This is exciting. Okay, <laughs> yeah. here we go. All I'm right, so I'm going to give you five uh, movies. Four mm-hmm. of them actually became musicals. And again, okay. in, in various states of production, some of which actually made it all the way to Broadway. Mm-hmm. One of them okay. did not, as far as I know. <laughs> now, since I wrote okay. this list, maybe they, maybe they have. Because there's a whole thing here. All right, here we go. So here, and you, you guys can, you know, work together or have different answers, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Okay, okay first one. Sure. Right. I'll just give you the list here. Xanadu, Fame, oh. 9 to 5, Lover Boy, the movie, not the band, <laughs> Reanimator. All of those were made into musicals except for one. Which one wasn't a musical? Was that five? And you folks, was, you yep. folks are certainly welcome to guess there in the live chat. Holy cow. I hope it wasn't right. Reanimator. Not for points, so... <laughs> No, no, I, I, so here's the thing, Kat. So mm-hmm. do, do you know yes, Reanimator, Kat? You're familiar with the film? I, sadly, okay. I watched that. Wow. Uh, sadly, sadly, oh. that's a classic. Anyway, oh. I seem, yeah. so, so first of all, I'm going to put my neck on the chopping block by saying that I am pretty certain I have seen stills from a Reanimator musical. Okay. So I'm pretty sure that one was. Oh. Okay. Xanadu seems like a no brainer. Mm. Fame seems like a no brainer. Right, right. Yeah. What was the third one? Nine to five. The Nine Parton to five is, it, 
Dolly Parton music in there, mm -hmm. right? The yeah, only yeah, other film I'd rather see a stage production of is Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, which I think they did too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're getting some answers here. I mean, hmm. I, I'm not sure with the film Lover Boy, but that's that's the only one that leaps out at me. Okay. But Kat. I'm ha I'm happy to work together with you, Cat. If <laughs> you have you some more Kat? insight, are you agree? It's I, Lover Boy? I I don't think I saw the film Lover Boy. Oh no, Boy. Patrick Dempsey. Uh, mm -hmm. No, he's a uh, pizza delivery guy, but he's not delivering pizza to these. Uh, oh, but I think that oh. doesn't matter. That's the point. If at least okay. two out of three yep. of us have never heard of there it, you go. why would they have chosen that to make? You never a stage heard of it either, John Lover Boy. No, Patrick no. Dempsey. I'm not alone. The women order the pizza with. Oh, it helps when you say their names again. <laughs> they order the pizza with <laughs> Wait, anchovies. What? It really means they want other kind of attention. He makes money this summer uh, by doing that. Oh, it's a funny oh, movie. What? It's a comedy. All right, no. so let's see. We got some guesses here. No. A reanimator, nine to five, and re another reanimator. What did you think, Cat? Hmm, two reanimators. I well, you, you going know, with Loverboy too? Like, I like John's logic because yeah. <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. if we haven't, I can't even. I don't even know if I've heard of it because I thought of the band. Okay, well, of there you go. So then, yeah. And uh, are the yeah, people I'm in the chat guessing or did they Google? That's what I don't know. Well, because well, a lot I'll of them are right guessing. Because the correct answer wrong. is Loverboy. Oh, yes. We did it, Ken. Right, so we did you it. You guys well, are right. You did it. And I rode your tailwind. All right. Here we go. I got, I got five <laughs> others That's here. That's fine. Tailwind Which away. Which of these was not, did not, not become a musical? Got it. Ready. A Christmas Story, Desperately Seeking Susan, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Evil Dead, mm. or Flashdance. <laughs> um so i think i can rule out the first one and the fifth one cat okay because mm -hmm. uh, right. so desperately seeking susan evil mm -hmm. dead and dirty rotten scoundrels i do not right. have firsthand memories that i think i've seen them in production okay so those are the th so I, i'm saying I, I feel unless you have mm -hmm. competing evidence i think those two in the end we can rule out i think that's fine logic evil dead would be well, how do you make a stage production out of that? But, <laughs> but it's a well-known franchise and I could mm -hmm. see why you would do it. So I'm right. going to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Desperately Let's Seeking see. Susan is. I love, I love I it. Definitely this very well. with the sincerity uh, as if uh, money were on the line. <laughs> as if it's like so important. Do you want to take it not seriously? No, I'm going to take I a would, game yeah, seriously. I'm taking it seriously now. My gut, I don't know why, but my gut is saying Desperately Seeking Susan. Okay. But I, I'm not clear. Did your gut, Marcus? Because he also said that. I, yeah, that's, I might as well be. Cat, yeah. okay. that's my gut too. Right. I mean, okay. that was my first All instinct. Right. And so okay. now it's bounced off of you. We got reinforcement. All right, we got so a, in, the, in chat, we got an evil right. dad. We got a desperately seeking Susan. The correct answer right. is desperately seeking Susan. <laughs> two for two. Yes. High five, cat. Ready? Yeah. And evil dead, the musical. It was a musical, of course, like obviously. With the approval uh -huh. of Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. And there's a splash zone. Like the first few aisles, you're warned. Put on a raincoat <laughs> or something. So you're going to get bloody. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. All right, here we go. Another five. Here comes the cheery Kool-Aid. Footloose, Heathers, uh -huh. an officer and a gentleman, Peggy Sue Got Married, or Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, wow. All right. So I have a gut reaction. Uh -huh. I don't want to influence you, though. So That's okay. No, no, let's hear your gut reaction. It was the second one. What's the second one, I think? Heathers. Oh, Heather. No, I think that was too good. Uh, crap. What was the third one? Christian Slater. Uh, third one is uh, officer, officer and, a, yeah, and a gentleman. Oh, crap. And a gentleman. I'm not sure. Heather's is the best answer I have. Like, I can visualize all those being on stage. Can you? Yeah. Nick, Nick says he cannot imagine officer and a gentleman, but it's yeah. such a romantic kind of like grand gesture kind of film. Yeah. yeah. And it has to be a real interpretation, yeah. but. Yeah. yeah. I, and Heather's <laughs> is dialogue heavy. So I, I don't know. Yeah. 
Revenge of the Nerds, I would love to see. It's like, I, I think of, because when I think do, of films do, made into do, plays, do, 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 do. it's like, what would get their asses in the seats? People go, I want to see that on stage, right? I don't know that people want to see Heathers on stage. It's a very dialogue right. heavy kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. At, at a weepy film. I, I, I've only seen it once, but mm-hmm, it may mm-hmm. be not all, all right. So, so that, your, that's, that's my thinking. What's your final answer, I feel I, like Heathers. Yeah, I'll go with you on that. I was leaning towards Officer and a Gentleman because I, like Nick, I can't. Yeah. Imagine that's my follow-up answer. On, on stage, yeah, if you had but... a, if you had a good argument, I would have <gasps> I would have went that way. She so, so had a bad argument. Uh, uh, I just I I have my gut. That's all Marcus I says, officer and a gentleman. Nick says, can't imagine officer and a gentleman. Brandon says, uh, revenge yeah. of the nerds. I've been wrong so far. Uh, the correct answer the, for the one that is not a musical is revenge of the nerds. Oh, oh Brandon, you got it. You weren't, you weren't wrong. Heather's, this time. it turns out, is a very popular musical. It's popular among wow. younger people. Uh, who did okay. it. We're all, all right. seeing the film originally when it came out, but um, mm-hmm. all right. I think they're missing an opportunity to put Revenge of the Nerds on right? stage. Oh yes, we changed some scenes though, because uh, at least one oh, particular scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and finally, uh, we've got five more for you here. <laughs> Tell me which movie, wow. 1980s movie, did not uh, make it, uh, was not made into a musical. Secret okay. of My Success, The Last Starfighter, E.T., The Toxic Avenger, or Big. Oh. Damn, Will, those are tough. Oh, man. The tough thing about it is. All except for one is a musical. I know, it's crazy. I know. Oh my And I don't know gosh. about Kevin. I'm not drawing on other than uh, the reanimator that I knew. I'm not drawing upon yeah. what I what I have seen. I'm drawing upon would I, as an investor and producer, take a <laughs> yeah. risk on this? <laughs> yeah. And it was easier before. Yeah. How come I always pick the second one in the list? Like I can't imagine. I've never heard of the last Starfighter becoming a stage production. I can't imagine how they would do it. It's so based in. It's so based in video game nerdery, and Mm -hmm. I just. And it's it's a fan with a small group of people. Yeah. Um, But then I know, but Spielberg's E. T. is like, eh, like, he he didn't want to do a sequel either. I can't. I don't know. I'm I'm between those two. Starfighter. And 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 I my gut's telling me to go with E. T. For some reason, I feel like I maybe I would have heard of that being hmm. produced on stage. I think I'm leaning toward E.T. too, okay. just because of how adamant Spielberg was that we're not doing well, follow ups. Okay. They're not doing. Yeah. Then there's that. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Go with hmm. E.T. I guess Let's say in the chat, we've got uh, Marcus E.T. Oh, Miss So said uh-huh. she would love to see Revenge of the Nerds musical, by the way. Oh, uh, says Last Starfighter. Right. Marcus says, I can't see them getting the license for that, for Last Starfighter, oh, okay. I guess you're referring to. Yeah, especially when mm-hmm. they can't get the mm-hmm. sequel done because, you know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and, and Brandon also says The Last Starfighter. The correct answer, however, is E.T. Oh my Woo, We did it. Yeah. Yay. Last Starfighter was one of those, off Kat. Broadway in 2004. Yeah. missed one. Oh, I'd love to see that. All right. Mm. Which, what was that? Last Starfighter. Oh, Last Starfighter. It was off Broadway. Okay. Wow. All right. Let's uh, look. I know it's ready. Should we do this and the show will be like an hour and 20 minutes long or something like that? I guess we go for it. Either that, I'm cutting out all the references to Dial of Destiny. All right. So let's just do it then. Hey, all right. Let's move on to our next topic here. Talking, talking somewhat, somewhat spoiler free to the extent we can about Dial of Destiny. Um, uh huh. Of course, this is the fifth film in the Indiana Jones franchise. The film opened to a disappointing $60 million mm. opening weekend, but it's earned $128 million as of July 11th domestically and add another $126 million internationally. The film has amassed around $250 million, but it's seen as a flop because its budget was $300 million. And it seems that, you know, when you have a quote-unquote tentpole movie, if you're not on trajectory yeah. to have make a billion dollars, you're a right. failure. 
I did see an article that suggests, I saw two articles. One was like Indiana Jones flops at the box office. And the other one was Indiana Jones crushes at the box office. And the crushes article made that catchy headline just to get your attention to argue that studios maybe are thinking about this the wrong way nowadays, because Mm. it seems like movie going habits have changed significantly since the pandemic and are not going back. I went just, like last week and yeah. saw Asteroid City. Oh, I want to see And that. it was only out about two weeks and it's already streaming. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. The pandemic oh. is not making that happen because they could have pulled that back by now. Yeah. But yeah. just like you said, Will, they're continuing the, mm-hmm. it's in the movie for a little bit. All right, we're done with that. Next bite of the apple. They're moving yeah. on to where else they can make money and do something else with it. Right. They're not, it's not becoming a long event that lasts in the theater that you got to go see. You can just, right. yeah. if you just... <laughs> Just dilly-dally a little bit. It'll be on a streaming service next week, it seems like. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to wait too long. That damages the box. Wow. And so knowing that, you can just wait. Yeah. There's certain films that I know are coming out. Yeah. I can't remember. What, I just learned a movie was coming out. It was, I think it was a horror movie. And I was like, oh, I'll just wait. It's going to be out in two weeks. So I'm streaming. That's fine. Like that new Sinister, The Red Door or something. Like, mm-hmm. looks good. Yeah. Maybe later. Right. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> well, yeah. I know uh, someone who went to see Dial of Destiny. Yeah. And it's the first movie that they've gone to see in a movie theater yeah. since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, not that I've seen all that many movies since, mm-hmm. you know, things kind of loosened up, yeah. but you know, Afterlife and, uh, you know, the Top Gun, new Top Gun yeah, and then there was something theater. else. It's like, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I feel like, whoa, I have some under my belt. Like I yeah. didn't, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, yeah, this was their first time back mm, like wow. to see this. And wow. it was a big enough movie for them that they wanted to see it on the big screen. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that's why they went. Yeah, there's definitely, yeah. I, I've just come more choosy. John still goes to yeah, a lot of movies. Yeah. I used to go to a lot of mm-hmm. movies mm-hmm. pre-pandemic mm-hmm. and I've slowed down yeah. to one every few months now, just like John's mm-hmm. suggesting, mm-hmm. picking and choosing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, even then now it's that rationale. I'll Because I have that AMC A-list that allows me to see three movies a week for my $22, right? Yeah. right? So I can go as much as I want. So sometimes I'll go because I just, like I used to do in the eighties when I would go, y'all want to go to the movies? What's playing? I don't know. Get in the truck. And you get there yeah. and you stand there and look <laughs> right, at the posters yeah, the marquee, and go, yeah. well, that was about 20 minutes. And three of your friends say, I've already seen that one. You're like, all right, I'll watch it again. Right. Yeah. But now yeah. Yeah. I'll look and go, yeah, I don't need to see that in the theater. Yeah. It's just, is it not a big screen requirement? Mm. Right. You know? And so you can easily pick and choose. Like you were yeah. saying, Will, it's like, eh, I'll watch that one later. I can just be patient. Yeah. How do you want to experience it? I think that is definitely right. something that yeah. people yep. can yep. contemplate now. Although yeah. The sad right. thing to that point is that I went to see Indiana Jones and the theater was almost empty. Same. And mm-hmm. so I'm hooting and hollering, yeah, right, yeah. And it's just yeah. quiet. And <laughs> yeah, it's echoing. Yeah. So like when you say, Kat, how do you want to experience it? Partly, I mm-hmm. want to experience it like I did in 1989 when I saw Last Crusade. Where full it was theater. sold yeah. out and yeah. everybody is cheering, you know, or laughing together. Oh, I missed that so much. I have yep. to tell you, yep. after we saw Dial of Destiny, we saw it like opening day, like Thursday. You know, yeah, the Thursday of the. I remember know, she wasn't going, out. and then she's sending a picture to me and John standing outside a theater. <laughs> I was like, oh, yep. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I was like, now I have to go. I was waiting. <laughs> we squeaked it in. But at the end, yep. everyone applauded. Like there was all this applause, yeah. and I was like, yes, because that was such a cool I experience. We weren't my small, at a live show. Our small crowd did that too. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, we, we weren't filled. It wasn't yeah. a full theater, but still enough people that there was that energy around it. Yeah. So I came across another theory as to what the, what the, why the box office, you know, was what it was. And, and we could throw the Flash mm-hmm. in there too, I think in a sense, because Flash 
should have had a big been a big draw, but was otherwise regarded as a box office flop. But um, and mm-hmm. again, and it had Michael Keaton in it. So, but mm-hmm. the suggestion was that these studios and, and those both are fall under Disney. They're just miscalculating mm-hmm. how big the brand is that mm. they're, you know, uh, that they're just investing all this money in. And with regard to Indiana Jones in particular, it's, it hasn't been, that, that character hasn't been really visible for 15 years now. Yeah. And prior mm-hmm. to that, which was Crystal Skull, and prior to that, there was another giant gap. Unlike a Star Wars, which was huge, huge in the 80s, and Indiana mm-hmm. Jones, they were both huge during that same decade. Star Wars right. continued to, to merchandise and produce stories that kept f- f- mm-hmm. old fans engaged and introduced new fans to content. Indiana Jones didn't really yeah. have that. So what they're mm-hmm. arguing is that these studios are over, you know, they're overestimating how popular it will be among a larger crowd. Sure, among our generation maybe be popular, but younger kids aren't going to, mm-hmm. and you need them. Um, and the other thing that they suggested was that maybe with regard to Indiana specifically, we haven't seen him for 15, in 15 years. But our yeah. crowd, our fan, that fan base, we've only gotten that much older, and maybe that was mm-hmm. we were fine. Now, look, I saw it. That's mm-hmm. enough, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It seems like to make these films successful, though, you've either got to modify your production budget and expectations, like make a smaller Indiana Jones film, don't de-age him for twenty-five minutes of the film, or maybe <laughs> to get a younger crowd. I know John won't like this because of his feelings about this, and I tend to agree. But you reboot it. You know, if 10 years ago, they were going to get Chris Pratt as a new Indiana Jones. You probably could have got a whole new audience and made a whole new series of films mm-hmm. that would have put butts in seats. But you can do both, which is are, are always my point, right? Okay. You don't have to uh-huh. redo Indiana Jones. You could have had Harrison Ford there as a mentor to, mm. to, Somebody, yeah. to a new explorer in the same vein kind of thing, yeah. right? Just like the Ghostbusters could have done, shouldn't. Yeah, didn't do. Uh, yeah, mm. to the disappointment of Doomcock and other naysayers, Phoebe Wallerbridge <laughs> was never going to be the next Indiana Jones. That was never the plan. But she no. herself, as popular as she is, she's popular in a very niche crowd. So even though uh-huh. she's a new mm-hmm. actor, you know, she's got a small mm-hmm. following or a big following, mm-hmm. but yeah. relative. What's needed is mm-hmm. not big enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, so, all right. So let's uh, look. We. Again, this may be a little spoilery because a lot of the prognostication from uh, folks like us and folks who have larger followings because they just outright lie to their followers uh, was hinging (laughs) on whether or not, and to what extent, there would be time travel in the film. Um, And so, again, this Mm -hmm. this is a little bit of a spoiler, but um, I I guess we'll just say, (laughs) look, right, I'll give you a minute to get out. (laughs) Here's the spoiler. Much like teased in the trailers. Yeah, there's there's time travel. There's a device that they, you know, has something to do with time travel. It's not mm-hmm. it's not back to the future climbing in a DeLorean. And and that's where John and I diverge <laughs> on our predictions. And quite honestly, I was a little uh, over the all over the place, as John pointed out a couple episodes ago. But here is my <laughs> prediction. This is the this is my prediction I made the last time we talked about this. Um, we'll right. listen to this and see to what extent this was true. Okay. My final sort of feeling about this is that, like, consistent with the other films, whatever the power is, the way you describe it, or it's different, mm-hmm. we're only mm-hmm. going to really see it wielded once. It's going to be at the very mm-hmm. end, and it's going to kill the bad mm-hmm. guy. Oh. That worked out. Victory. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, thank you. I think that's 100. No, no, 100. The, the same could have been said about Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's my point. I just yeah. said what they do yep. to all their movies. 
Yep. Now, John, admittedly, yeah, yeah. all right, John, you've made a more daring prediction. We'll listen to your prediction and see uh, okay. how right all you right. were. Right, this is John's prediction. The reason I wanted to believe there was no time travel is because it feels so out of place in this very grounded adventure story. Right. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if it isn't time travel as we think of it, but the way they talk about it in the trailer is that it has the ability to change things that have happened. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that I corporeally will be existing in a different time, right. but rather mm-hmm. by doing something with this and, you know, sprinkling the right, you know, eye of Newton, mm-hmm. dust of frog or whatever, <laughs> that I can change things that have yeah. happened as if you had time travel. No. Wrong. So wrong. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yes. Man. Yes. But yeah. I was uh-huh. right about one thing. What's up? Mm-hmm. I knew, I knew that you would spring this on me later. Mm-hmm. I don't recall that at all. No? No. Well, I have prepared, I have prepared a clip for you oh, to prove okay. that I was right about being wrong. Oh, okay. So listen to this. All right. I know what's going to happen. It's going to be July. You're going to take a sample of me saying this to make fun of me being wrong. But I'm still saying I wouldn't do that to you. Bullshit. You've done it multiple times. I wouldn't do it about this. All right, John. All right, we both got one right. Okay. Get your point. I knew it. That was amazing. I knew that you would do that to me. All right. Oh, my God. And my prediction, I really, I was like John said, I was writing on the coattails of the other films. <laughs> that was amazing. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yep. Oh, I don't forget. <laughs> no, you didn't. I knew he'd do that to me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I so look, I guess back to non-spoilers. I, I enjoyed the film ultimately, but I don't know that we needed it. You know? I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. But at the end I was like, mm-hmm. did we need this? Well, do we need any movie? That's a great question. Seriously, Kat. I think that is a good question. Seriously. I was entertained. I enjoyed it. In fact, yeah. like I just, the whole thing yeah. I enjoyed and, and I would, there are times where I laughed and in times where I was like, wow. And times where I was like, huh? You know, but still yeah. I just mm-hmm. enjoyed mm-hmm. it and was happy to clap at the end. Yeah. So I don't know, like maybe I needed it that day, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to really, really like this film in about a year. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have gotten to such a state. I wish I hadn't watched it when I watched it, I, but I had to, or it's going to spoiler problem, right? <laughs> we were in such a state in media and the internet and social media and mm-hmm. that everybody has to dogpile on whatever the next popular thing is that mm. I felt yeah. so much baggage. It felt like mm-hmm. I, around my shoulders, I felt like, Oh God, well, I have to, I've got to study this and prove or disprove people I've heard. And I have to have arguments to say why I think I'm right or wrong. So I I feel like I didn't just go in and watch a movie. Mm. I feel like I went in with an assignment and I was working (laughs) really hard to know whether or not I liked or not and prepared to defend my reasons for that because, because Mm. I live in a very peripheral corner of the public eye and people are going to ask me, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But in a year or so, when nobody gives a damn about Dollar Desti anymore and they're off talking mm. about something else, yeah. I'm going to yeah. watch this and go, oh, okay, it's about 15% better than I thought it was probably, you know? <laughs> oh, what was your number? Oh, yeah. Did you have a number? Remember? Did you hit your 65 threshold? Yeah, did it hit? Oh, yeah, I think so. 
Yeah. Look, it it wasn't a 50-50 okay. movie. It was better yeah. than half good, right? It yeah. wasn't a 50-50. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, <laughs> I, right? I, I, it probably hit about that 65. I wouldn't go much higher than that, which puts it as okay. what, like three and a half tokens out of five or something, or it's just above the middle, right? Is kind of what it was. So. But next time you see it, you'll probably feel more relaxed about it and just- For sure, and, yeah. right, yeah, because yeah, I've yeah. now stated my case, yeah. I do agree with you, John, in that regard, because I did catch myself, really? and this happened to me when I saw the Joss Whedon version of the Justice League 2, which mm-hmm. I think the opposite happened for me on subsequent viewings. I was like, this is kind of shitty. Um, oh no. <laughs> but this is the only time, two times I can remember watching it. The first pass through was a lot of like, please don't fuck this up. Please don't fuck this up. Right, right. I, w- I was tense. Did you feel tense? Yes, You're yeah. like, careful, Any careful. Moment, this is oh, gonna... that was kind of a misstep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah I See, hated that feeling. This is why I don't overanalyze movies or make predictions. Yeah. <laughs> it's just too yeah, much trouble. That's, the, that's what they're for, Cap. To your, to your point about, was this necessary? If you entertain, then mission accomplished. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I got to say, I think for me, the, the distinction between these two last films of Indiana Jones and the first three, it may be, say, mm-hmm. folks will say you have nostalgia for the 1980s, but that's not what it is. What I really have realized mm-hmm. I have nostalgia for is the 1930s. Because that's when the films were set. And I think there's kind of this romance baked into that era, at least portrayed in Mm -hmm. these films, a kind of quaintness. And maybe part of it, part of it I think is the world that they built, but also, and maybe this is meta, it is meta, is knowing that George Lucas, when he created this film and Steven Spielberg, he wanted to make it like the serial films of the 30s. You know, the Flash Gordon, Zorro, Tarzan, Mm -hmm. Buck Rogers. And yeah. it's clear that's what it feels like. You could have broken mm-hmm. up these segments of these films and these cliffhangers that you'd come back next mm-hmm. Saturday to see. Sure. Mm-hmm. And when you when you go to the fifties and you go to the sixties and these most recent films, I don't know. It's just something I associate with those eras that's not as, you know, I don't know, warm and fuzzy as the 1940s. I think I've thought of a way that they could satisfy all three of us okay. in future Indiana Jones films. And yes, I just said future Indiana Jones yep. films, which we- don't know there's going to be. There's oh. going to be. It's Indiana Jones. You're going to do something. <laughs> now that I feel that Harrison Ford has done his bit, right? He's mm-hmm. done with Indiana Jones. I think if you ask him, you can say he's done with it. That's what kind of the, <laughs> what I've heard. Short of saying I'm done, he's pretty much said I'm done, right? Yeah, right. yeah. So if you love that era of the 30s and the innocence of it and kind of the, the low-techness of it and the way the world was back then, those stories, mm-hmm. reboot's wrong. Mm-hmm. Recast is fine, but -hmm. don't try to continue the story. Just go back and tell more episodes between the the ones we have Uh with little nods that they exist, right? So it's almost like every film could be both a prequel and a sequel to like, well, this one takes place between the events of this and this. And you could have someone else doing more Indiana Jones stuff as Uh Indiana Jones, but don't erase everything we know about Indiana Jones thus far. Don't reboot. Yeah. So it's like a tangential okay. character that's going on these adventures. It's not Indiana. No, it's a new Indiana Jones. Oh, reca- we can see more so of him. Recast him. Recast. Okay. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. you're going to recast him anyway, yeah. just don't recast him in a reboot. Recast him and do more of those I adventures. See. Gotcha. In the yeah. era that we love so much. So you'll so like it for that. It. I would like it because it's not rebooted and Kat just mm-hmm. likes it because it's a movie. So we're all going to like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, similar to Bond, yeah. except for Bond keeps getting updated, you know, generation after generation as far as the world is set in. But Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, in the sense yeah. that there's a continuity uh, and in some films yeah. specifically, yes, like the yes. same M is yeah. there, you know, or whatever. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, and yeah. T- to your point, the sixties bonds were the best bonds. <laughs> I would love to, they should do the next bond should be set in the sixties. I would love Just that. do a period piece. That would be That'd amazing. Be awesome. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Anything else or should we go? Cool. Ready to go? I have more to say, but it's super spoilery. So we'll save it for another okay. time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, Miss says, watch everything at home. Flash movie. Meh. I think a lot of us are finally burnt out on the MCU and DCU movies. New Mission Impossible looks awesome. I agree with every sentiment of, of every statement you made there. That is a movie I'm going. <laughs> now we remember we could do this. That's a movie. That's a movie I'm going to see in the theater. That Mission Impossible film. It looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, yeah, even the MCU. This uh, show has been on. Uh, was it uh, Invasion? Invasion Earth? What is it? Secret Invasion. I haven't watched. I haven't, haven't watched, watched it yet. Haven't been motivated no to care. watch it. Nope. Hmm. I probably will eventually. Nope. But. It's hard to keep up with all the <laughs> all the MCU stuff. All right. Hey, there you go. I stalled long enough for her because I know she was looking for something. Oh, no, she's... I'm oh, she's, not looking oh, she's for anything. around with the screen. I was, All right. Hey, I that was, was the show. <laughs> <laughs> she's throwing gang signs to the people in chat. <laughs> and our show oh, is brought to you every week. Yeah. Thanks in part to our early adopters mm-hmm. like Rick Parker. Shout yep. out to Rick Parker. Hey. He knows why. Mm-hmm. Karen Flieger. Nice. And Kathy Burke. Enabler. Yeah, and yay. Yeah, Kathy. Are you still here, Kathy? He was here at some point. And thank you, especially to our secret of our success level Patreon supporters like Craig Coletta, Brad Bowman, Marcus Taylor. Are you still here? <laughs> Tony <laughs> yep. Great. Great. Brandon Greer, who was also at some point here. Nick Guillory. Oh my gosh. So many patrons here. And John Henderson. Epic. That took a long time. Sorry. <laughs> I just, every week, I, I don't know what you're going to end on. So I'm not really sure when I need to be ready to press the button. Cause you say that it's the flourish. The yeah. Oh, am I flourishing right. all of them? You did that. Uh, time, no. but that's cause you know, we're live. Did and, she? Yeah. Okay. Really okay. Probably, yeah. That's okay. Right. Yeah. Thanks everybody who helps bring you the show uh, every week. <laughs> we truly appreciate yep. it. Uh, and Hey, yeah. if you can't support us the way they do, Join us on the next live, you know, go on Facebook or YouTube to find out how you can join us on the next show. All right. Hey, we will talk to you next time on 1980s Now. Until next time. Toodaloo. This podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness.